Welcome to the High Ground Podcast. I'm Stevie W. I'm Callum. Okay, uh, we've been planning this for some time, doing a Robocop one, so... We have, and I've been looking forward to it. So, today... Yeah, this is going to be good. I actually watched the Director's Cut for this. Good man. uh, From the uh, Arrow box set, which is absolutely fantastic. Oh, it's the best best release you can get out there, honestly. So, here we are. Is Robocop the ultimate 80s movie, 1980s movie? Oh, discuss. <laughs> I, I'm going to go, I'm going with it is. Uh, and I'm just going to, just, just for the fact that alone, this is a point. I mean, from it, where, you know, studios, this is prior to now where everything is, I mean, I know it was corporate at the time, but studios uh, would, would literally release movies you know, to a, a smaller kind of audience, where it wasn't all yeah. about the, you've got to make all the money and have a big opening, and then you, you could gain a secondary market, and then for the sequels, is when you start worrying about the big, uh, bringing in the big, big, big money. This was, uh, and, and putting out stuff that was in, our, in uh, the UK, 18 certificate, with a lot of violence, which had as well a, a more of a young a teenager and ch- uh, children's theme uh, because they knew that on the uh, secondary market on the home video market that children were going to watch these things and uh, the, for that alone it's it's uh, you know it is one of the ultimate 80s movies because it was a film which was meant for the big screen but also meant for the home video market yeah I, I mean I, the year itself lends lends itself to like the youth I think because you've got the Lost Boys, Lethal Weapon. I always thought Lethal Weapon as a you know, I always loved it more as a kid. No, I don't not love it now. I mean like it was more you know, I, I always action was always is always appealing to kids, isn't it? So I mean you've got the start of Lethal Weapon, possibly the greatest action franchise. You've got uh, Living Daylights, um Elm Street Three, you know, all the all the cool sort of even the adult made the kids films like the Am Street series was starting to go that way, wasn't it? And oh, yes. I think eighty seven for me is like the end of the eighties, essentially. I think I don't know why I feel that, but it feels like everything it's where all the original films stopped and the sequels start coming out but years later. Is it... I do see your point. With the films that you've just mentioned, it is all the MTV movies. I mean, even Lost Boys could be the argument. We look at the soundtrack to Lost Boys; they are the Elm Street movies. Yeah, sorry, the uh, they are the MTV movies. They are for the MTV yeah, generation. So, uh, and they all had kick-ass soundtrack. I mean, with the, with the exception of uh, well, Robo, well, Robocop's got a great classical score. You've got uh, and uh, Lethal Weapon's got a good. It's got a great score. Uh, score. But the other, you know, Lost Boys, Elm Street, uh, you know, uh, all have typical '80s rocking soundtracks. Yeah, they do. And uh, but RoboCop, with its, you know, it's got that mix of of violence and explosions. I mean, I'm sorry, but these explosions have storylines, and that puts Michael Bay to shame, rather than writing a film around an explosion it's like oh, I'm sticking an explosion actually that actually 
help the plot of the movie. And uh, or cutting from an explosion to a pair of tits. Yeah, I'd buy that. What Michael Bay does best. <laughs> you actually no, they don't do that now. But in the uh, what's it got? I buy for that for dollar kind. But then again, uh, if you look, there's a bit where uh, one of the officers, just as uh, Murphy's going into uh, the precinct and getting about to get suited up in his body armor. Uh, there's, oh, a woman yeah. getting, there's a woman getting changed in there, and, and her tits are just a matter of fact rather than uh, then. Look, there's her tits on the screen. Yeah, that, that's the Verhoeven thing, isn't it? He's always said he's never been that uncomfortable around nudity being European. So, and if you go from that to the shower scene in, in uh, Starship Troopers, yeah, he's never had a problem with nudity well, you know, as, a, as a titillation. Look at showgirls, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, I forgot about that, obviously. I can't. I, I always forget about that when I discuss him, I don't know why. But, um... I think a lot of people involved with that film would like to forget about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although it has got a real. Although it is due, it is due a, a special edition release, I think. <laughs> uh, that would be an, an interesting one. But I get what you mean, like, the, the sort of. Robocop does feel like an 80s. It feels like, you know, well, we're arguing, aren't we, that it's the 80s film. But I think you can... There's that 80s vibe that runs through it. But, I mean, it, watching it again, like... I mean, I've seen it so many times, and I'm sure you have. Like, it it doesn't feel dated. Like, there's some some of it a, a little bit sort of... You know, like the... Obviously, the TV screens and stuff. The technology, I never really count because you can't predict no. how it's going to change. But, you know, like the mass media stuff and the advertisements in the middle of the action, uh, you know, that's still genius yeah. today, I think. And it just seems so ham-fisted and forced in the remake. Yeah. I like, th- I mean, the thing that get me is, you know, is like the OCP and anagram of cop. Uh, the 6000 sucks, S-U-X. Yeah. And I thought, it's just, it's little... Uh, I never realised that. Uh, OCP, yeah, that's clever. It, it, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. The TV shows which you got are, can't go to the, the real names, but yeah, I'd buy that for a dollar. TJ Lady yeah. and Media Break. Yeah. Uh, Media Break, you know, is the exposition of uh, where it's all going. And, and it, it, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And you've got the advertisements for the, for the hearts. Yeah, and the bit, the, the you know the bits on the media break about the presidents being on the uh, space platform, the yeah. misfiring of a laser, stuff like that, and it's... the um, the board game called Nukem. Yeah, <laughs> and it does it breaks up. I mean, it does break it up like you and you watch. I mean, this is bear in mind this is a, a cinema release. Yeah, and to have little things like that that breaks it up like little adverts is. It, it's unique. Oh, it's not unique, but you know what I mean for the for the, the genre. If you you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a really clever way of just sort of, you know, not dumping exposition, but giving you exposition in another way that keeps you invested instead of, you know, because when you do turn on the telly, you do see things about, you know, like at the beginning when they talk about um, Officer Fredrickson getting shot by Frank Bodica. You know, you do see things like that, and it's like, oh, police officer's just been shot and killed in whatever. And then it sort of then it morphs into like the film itself, yeah. and I think that's that's a really good sort of way to, rather than 
you know, those typical science fiction opens where it's like, it is the year 2130 or whatever, you know, like, they're, they're so, like, cliches. Humans are on an offshore colony. Yeah. Came back, but we <laughs> or Judge Dredd in the third millennium. Like, I, I, you know. Is this the uh, 95 Judge Dredd or the Carl Urban Judge Dredd? Yeah, I mean, the, I remember the narration was James L. Jones, if I'm not mistaken. Who? And that read the narration for the original Judge Dredd at the start. I, I but it's, yeah, I so the But I mean, that's my point. Like, Judge Dredd's a really forgettable sort of mid '90s science fiction film, whereas you don't have that corny voiceover narration in Robocop. It, right. It's just it's all the corporate stuff, which is by nature corny. I mean, we work for a big corporation, yeah. and a lot of their slogans are sort of cringeworthy, aren't they? Oh. So in that sense, it's not. It's not the film being cringy, it's being deliberately sort of satirical. The thing is, uh, there's a lot of this, you know, the, the whole satire is lost on children. Yeah. Be. When I was watching Robocop, when I, I remember seeing posters for Robocop and just wanting to see the film. So when it was available on video, I, I got to see the film, and uh, yeah. it was. I mean, I wasn't into horror at, uh, at that age when I watched RoboCop, and uh, the version we had was not as gruesome as the one we got now through the director's cut. But yeah. it was the whole idea of a man being turned into a robot, a cyborg, and then going out and shooting people and being the big robotic hero, and that is so appealing. That's cool. It yeah. is. And it's. And, uh, you know, you, you got the adults are watching it for this and the gore when Emil gets, uh, you know, the toxic waste. <laughs> toxic man. So me and my friend used to call him. <laughs> oh, that is. Apparently he ended up in ER. My fiance liked He ER. did, yeah. And I'm like, oh. So did Michael Ironside, who's also used by Verhoeven quite a bit. Wow. He's in ER as well. He's yeah, he's in the first season, I think. Um, but not he's like a guest star sort of thing. Ah. He's like one of the doctors that sort of reappears. Now. Everyone's been in ER at some point. Including George Clooney? Including George Clooney, yeah. <laughs> I know what's her name as well, Ming Na Wen. Yeah, yeah. Quentin Tantino's directed an episode as yeah. well. Well, yeah, when the boss says about, uh, you have to watch uh, ER because Ming Na Wen's in it. I'm like, you know. <laughs> I just go and watch. Uh, I watch her in Street Fighter, but uh, you know what? I tell you what I love, and you know, because today if you look at the, you know, the uh, RoboCop remake, yeah, you know what really, really annoyed me, and this is that uh, you when you, you got a scene where where Murphy wants to know what exactly what is the suit, and you actually see just the head and the heart and the. The hand. I didn't like I that. I thought that was that was uh, too that, much. Yeah, I like the whole yeah. idea of not knowing how much was RoboCop, and I thought that was too in your face because when yeah. you first introduced to RoboCop, M Murphy as RoboCop, you see him being pieced together through his eyes from the operating table. You don't actually see all you see is the mechanics around him and the people all around him. Yeah, then you subjective. See, yeah, then you see. Yeah. Then you uh, 
see him on his TV screen as he's going past as he's entering the police precinct, so it takes a while before you get the full reveal in the suit. And whereas, whereas now, they would literally just throw it all out there and say, there you are, like, there he is, this is what he looks like, because you want everybody to see what he looks like. Just pay them and yeah, go to the cinema. Isn't he essentially like a head and, like, lungs and a heart and stuff in the remake? He is, that's when all he is. When it holds the camera back. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's all he is. I, I thought it was disgusting. Not yeah, boring, post, but I just thought that was kind of... Definitely, I don't know if the word voyeuristic's the word, but it's sort of like showing corporations showing what it could do to someone. Yeah, I mean, I, ironic that it comes in in bloodless PG thirteen version of Robocop, yeah. the most disturbing sort of image. I mean, I I remember having like discussions in the school like, playground and, um, with like or everyone else that you know, you know, like they like or like what like underneath the suit like what's left of him and we sit there and sort of think of it in our imagination what would be left if I had my own thing and then when they when I saw that I was kind of like because I, I didn't think the remake's that bad up to that point it's kind of serviceable like Joel Kinnaman's not a bad actor at all no. and like I, I, it was okay like but I just when that happened that just took me out of it yeah I do agree because it, it, it was it was it was very jolting it was and because you don't I mean for, to me Robocop was all I always thought the exception of the arms because they lose the arms he, he was essentially his yeah. upper torso but uh, that was yeah that's what I, I mean I, I think that's sort of in the remake he's got an arm left hasn't he a human arm I think that sort of nod to the fact that in the original they do say lose the arm it's his hand it's just one of his hands yeah, oh is it his hand is it it's just one of his hands but why would they say yeah. one hand just to it, it made me yeah. logical I don't know I, it it feels like something that would come more out of the Robocop 3 universe, doesn't it, than anything else. Oh, that's... But, you know, he... Yeah, definitely. How come, you know, you know, I know history repeats itself. When you look at, uh, you look at uh, Robocop 3, they went right back to the punk movement in terms of for the villains. They did. Yeah. The Splatterpunks, are they? Yeah, that's it. Right. There's Splatterpunks, yeah. And that's the thing that was very bad. I've always thought that was very 60s Batman when they go, when they, they call themselves Splatterpunks. And shit. I don't think it would would do. Yeah, I don't... I get this whole thing that thinks... Like, that it is an 80s science fiction thing as well. Like, why do they think punks are future? <laughs> like, I don't get it. Because later they worked for Mad Max. But, yeah, I guess. But you look at the, what they're wearing, it's actually... The clothing and everything, it, do, and it does go screams mid to late 80s, especially with the hairs, the hair yeah. the styles, that's what, what what got me. But I know history Who's repeats itself, but not that well. much. Pardon? Sorry, no, Karen. I was just saying about how history repeats itself. Yeah. And, uh, and, that, and that big hairspray element of the 80s is one thing I don't think we'd want to have back. <laughs> You look at you look <laughs> yeah. at Lewis's hair, the little the, yeah. So that's so that kind of yeah, puts she, it directly. Yeah, head, head, doesn't she? And it's just I, I I mean you have to kind of remember I suppose that Robocop three was actually made in eighty nine to ninety, yeah. and it sat on the shelf for two years because of Orion going bust. So I suppose it technically is a cusp of the eighties film, isn't it? Yeah. Really. But yeah, I I, I don't like that whole part. It annoys me. I, I like it in Mad Max because it's sort of like that's their world and they play with that. 
quickly, but yeah, it doesn't seem to fit Robocop very well. I mean, even the first one, you know, that you see a, a criminals in it, they just look just look like criminals, yeah. like normal, don't they? Yeah. Like the two guys that try to assault that woman yeah. and he shoots the guy in the nut. They just look like thugs, don't they? They don't look like future punks. No. <laughs> Leon, uh, Clarence's gang just are oh, street thugs. Uh, you know, they just look the wearing stuff you could literally pick pull off the shelf today. Yeah, they look like you might see them today, sort of somewhere, don't they? But I, I think as well, if we're on definitive eighties stuff, I think Clarence Boddicker is one of my, you know, one of my favourite eighties villains. He used to scare the shit out of me when I was a kid. I can see that because he's he's ruthless, and when and when, when Murphy uh, goes and pulls the files up, and he's got all of the names. Yeah. So you know he's a badass. Yeah, and I, I, I think the dichotomy as well, like, is between like, apparently Kurt would be like the nicest guy ever. Yeah. And uh, you all these like people that are evil, but everything like they're all nice in real life, and it's so jarring. But that's a, I always find that that's a, that can be a, a good thing, especially if you're going to meet the, you know, if you're meeting these people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I've been told that David Bradley's characters apparently. Is, completely evil Horrible. yeah and yet uh he's a genuinely one of the nicest celebrities i've met so well, he I sort like of that. he sort of plays those gruff like no nonsense characters doesn't he but if you can play good you can play i mean if you can play evil you can play good yeah i mean ray finds is oh, the, the granddaddy of that isn't he oh, yes you look at well, the... i mean even someone like gary oldman to an extent you know he he can equally play there's no sort of alignment that I associate with him with good and evil and his characters. You can either play one or the other uh, just as good. That's completely that's so true because if you look at him <coughs> as uh, as Commissioner Gordon, he's got a real heart as yeah. Gordon and uh, a serious black. You wouldn't think. It's yeah, the same and ironic, ironically, he's in <laughs> the remake, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. I think he'd like to. Yeah. As well. Paycheck movie. Two Batman references in that film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you got... Oh, you've got Michael, Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah. here's one for you. Right. You know, uh, uh, when they go into the uh, nightclub in Robocop? In the original? In the original Robocop, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, you've got... Because it's when Robo, Robo's going after Leon... Uh, is going after Leon Nash, yeah? Yeah. Now, in Terminator, now, you've got the... Bad guy being chased by the cyborg. Good guy. Terminator. You got the Terminator going into a, a nightclub, stalking yeah. the heroine. And I thought that was kind of an interesting twist on it. Yeah, it's got to be a reference, hasn't it? Because yeah. it can look, you know, like I think James Cameron called it Tech Noir, didn't he? Yeah. That, that's the name, of the, that's name of the club as well. Yeah, yeah. isn't it? Um, that sort of grimy, Blade Runnery sort of futury look. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. I mean, interesting in Blade Runner, the screenwriters, Ed, Ed Neumeyer and Michael Miner, they actually, Ed Neumeyer got the idea for Robocop because he worked as a stagehand on Blade Runner. Nice. And uh, he didn't, like, he, he says in one of the documentaries about it, um, that people saying, um, oh, I didn't know, realise you worked on Blade Runner. And he said, yeah, yeah, I was like a stagehand, like a runner, but I didn't have a clue what this film was about. He says that one of the Production assistant described to me it's about a cop hunting 
robots in the future. And that's it, that that's like the lightning moment where Robocop in sort of not fully formed but the idea of a robot cop in the future. You know, and then it was Michael Miner that came up with the idea of he had a script called Super Cop about a cop who's injured and he's he sort of becomes a donor to Cyborg and I'm the, the amalgamated ever so Blade Runner inspired Robocop. There nice. you go. No, that is because Blade Runner is, is one of our favorite mo- our favorite movies. Oh yes, and to have that go, you know, inspired. But then again, you also look at Star Wars inspired the, the used universe. The, the used universe of Star Wars inspired Ridley Scott to do Alien. If I'm right. Yeah. So it, yeah, yeah, I'm right, yeah. When you take something and you turn it into your own, uh, yes, that's brilliant. You know what, Orion Pictures, they, that is, that to me, when you see the Orion logos, that is 80s, that is 90s. I love that, yeah, I mean, what was it, Terminator, uh, Silence of the Lambs is one of the last films I think they did. Um, just, yeah, just seeing these sort of the stars and then the O form, yeah, I always love that. That and Karolko. Yeah, Karolko, who did, uh, they did Cliffhanger. Yep, Terminator 2. Yeah, and which is the one that did uh, the Cutthroat Island that was put out of business? Is that Orion or Karolko? Oh, was that not Canon? No. No? No, no. no was it not Canon? No. It, it might have been. Yeah, it was Orion. Yeah, that was what bankrupted them. Yeah. I'm and sure it was. You look at you look at the casting, you've got. Uh, you've got uh, Dan O'Hellahy. He's oh, a yeah, yeah. 80s actor. Halloween 3 theme. Yeah. And, uh, who is it? And, what was it? Ronnie Cox from, if I'm right, Beverly uh, Hills Cop. Yeah, Total Recall. Uh, you got Miguel Ferrer. I know he's mainly known for Robocop. Yeah, that's why I was remembering from. Isn't he, if I'm right, George Clooney's cousin? Yeah, he, I think he's Rosemary Clooney's uh, son. Who is George Clooney's auntie? And he's his friends with uh, Carrie Fisher. Yeah, I mean, I think his dad was. I'm not sure if it was Mel Ferrer. He's a, he's a Jose famous Ferrer. Mexican actor. Jose Might Ferrer. be. I I can't remember. It's Jose Ferrer. He's. He, uh, I was it Jose? Sorry, Mel yeah. Ferrer's a separate actor. Um, that on a little tangent though, like. You know the character he plays, Bob Morton. Yeah. I always used to think, you know, as a kid, I was like, he's the good guy, sort of corporate guy, in it that you can relate to. You know, the one that wants Robocop to succeed in that. But he's still like a, he's still a selfish sort of, you know, Reaganite, you know, bastard, and, and who does drugs and you know screws women and stuff. So like, no one's really truly good apart from the cops in this movie, really, are they? No. And uh, no, no, he's. He got one of, the, one of the best lines, bitches leave, you know, just before, yeah. he's to, before he's about to get killed by Clarence, and Clarence says, yeah. that, and he's, he's with prostitutes doing coke, you just know that, yeah, you're going to die, but he's the one who yeah. orchestrates the uh, cops being moved around so that they can get, after they've done the profiling, so that you've got Murphy sent to an area where he's likely to get killed. Yeah. And so he is... Good has to good has to survive. Bad has to be punished. So they do. They all get punished. I always, but when I was a kid, I don't think you know. I sort of 
you used to make hierarchies of bad guys, didn't you? And I thought like Dick Jones was the guy at the top that was like the major asshole. Yeah. So I just thought because Bob was opposing him, I used to think, yeah, go on, Bob. You know, like the the bathroom scene yeah. where they sort of confront each other. You know, I used to I used to know that word for word. <laughs> I remember because I was a bit older than you when it came out, and I was like, "Oh God, you weren't even born when RoboCop came out." Uh, no, I wasn't. It did come out in February of '88 in the UK, but I wasn't born until May, so I kind of cheat and say it is my year. <laughs> I remember if '88, uh, I'd have been thirteen. Jesus, they're not old enough to see it. No, no, not by a long shot. I would love to see it in, in the theaters. Oh, that would be brilliant. That would be brilliant. It's it has that scope for it, but with the right audience, though, you'd have to see it with a yeah. And it's it, it's got that grimy feel like to the film. So that's another reason why it's it, it's it's eighties. But it's you know, I mean, what's if I'm right? If I read the other day, I mean, the budget is thirteen million dollars. If I'm right. Oh, same as Star Wars. Yeah, 13 million estimated budget. And it, uh, cumulative uh, worldwide gross of 53 million. Actually, no, that, it's kind of funny. It says that's the same as the American one, but it's got to be more better than that. But it, it just yeah. in the States alone, it made... Two, two or three, maybe? Pardon? I'm sure it was about two or three hundred million it made, like... Eventually, you know, like yeah. after it was all finished through video rental stuff as well. Because yeah. they made, I think these are the sort of films as well. This is probably for another podcast as well, but you know, like they relied so much on their video luck afterwards yeah. to make the money, you know. And it, sometimes, you know, Blade Runner, the thing, things like that, they make more money on video than they did in the theaters, which is something you couldn't do now, really. No, because it goes, if it's small, it goes straight to streaming. But yeah. This was the thing back in the 80s is that, uh, and I've, I don't know if I've said it on a podcast or before, but uh, in the 80s uh, with movies, especially ones of the science fiction and horror genre, mainly horror, you would get a film out there that was small. Yeah. And you'd make a sequel, then uh, it would gain its, its audience on home video. Then more people would go to the cinema for the sequel. So you yeah. get about two sequels, three sequels in, and, they're, 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 and then you get a slump. Instead of stopping production, you make another one so you can get yourself back on top. And that was a very 80s thing, is they would, studios would throw money at product and keep the franchise yeah. going to make more and more money. And if there was a flop, they'd get another one out to keep the name fresh in your mind. Nowadays... You, you get to the second one and you and you uh, it's not made as much money as the first one you, they they scrap the whole all their plans yeah. because they won't or cancel the whole TV series yeah because if it you doesn't know, I, make money it, it kind of like I, I know exactly yeah you're exactly right like it, it's mainly with you know like the big boys like Freddie Jason Michael wasn't it you know they were the ones that kept going on and on and on until it got to the point where you know there was kind of a fatigue in the late. 80s, early 90s, when these sequels were starting to get into like double figures, yeah. and diminishing returns meant that all they were doing was covering the budget of the movie the last time. So I, I think, like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's weird that Robocop only got two sequels, but I think it had been sort of 
done to death by the third one. I mean, if, if, if digressing back to earlier, I think the only film I can think of of this century, not this century, sorry, this decade or last decade, where the film made more money and was more popular on home media was Dread. Oh. I, I'm pretty sure that made a lot more money on Blu-ray than it did in the theatres. That's the only thing I can think of that that's done it recently, which shows you just how different everything is now. Yeah, but the studio still won't have the confidence to actually... Greenlight sequels. sequels. Uh, I mean, it, that's un- that would be unthinkable in the 80s, wouldn't it? Yeah, you'd be like, oh, we've made our money, we can just yeah. throw it out there because we want to get people... If, yeah, but if you made a million more than your budget, you know, it was it was profit, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was. It, it's good to have something you can send, sell, you can make merch for. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. Because all these RoboCop toys and all these horror figures and crap yeah. is being sold to kids. I remember they had these. Uh, I mean, they did RoboCop toys. They did Marvel yeah. children's RoboCop comic books at the same time as RoboCop. Then RoboCop Two came out. Yeah. I know it was when RoboCop Video games. Yeah. This was not like the eighteen certificate video games or 15 I don't know how games are rated um, well yeah they're all sort of games are sort of interactive movies now a lot of the time you know where they they're accepting that games are their own sort of storytelling medium now whereas back then they were literally cash grabs you yeah. know you stuck something in an arcade like arcade games were hard because they wanted your quarters yeah. and your coins not because they wanted to make a decent game and you just literally, I've got uh, Bill and Ted on Game Boy, which has got yeah. no relation to the game, barely any relation to the films. And I've got the Lethal Weapon uh, game on Super Nintendo, which has it's a side-scroller which bears own no relation to the film, uh, but it's just planted the names on. None of them really did. Oh. You know, it just... And, and is that an extension to the second part of this argument? Is that why Robocop is definitive for the age as well, do you think, because of how much they drove the merchandise as well? As if it was a normal action film for... It's you a know. children's film, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 I can't... We've had this many conversations so many times that it, I, I think you understand it a bit more than me, but I, I cannot fathom how this and horror film were marketed. You know, that they were 18 certificates. Some of them were like, you know, video nasties and stuff like that. And yeah, they made lunch boxes, they made toys, they made posters. It, it, it really baffles me that that sort of confusion, marketing-wise, happened. Because, again, that would never happen today, would it? Fangoria magazine. Yeah, oh, no, I suppose, yeah. Ah, uh, for a start. Okay, we've got, we've got Fangoria. We've got the fact that you could literally go into video shops. Video shops would have posters... I, yeah, listen, I'd love as a kid going around uh, video shops, looking at the posters oh, yeah. in the windows, then going in and looking at the artwork on the... I, I was a horror fan, but the artwork was absolutely effing brilliant part of my life. Yeah. But you'd, you'd go and you'd look at the artwork and then you'd you'd see it and you'd want to you'd want to get it. And then you'd see sort of magazines like Fangoria, which you'd go to like specialist shops like what, what you define as your forbidden planet now. Which would, it would, yeah. My local ones were Final Frontier and uh, Another World. You'd go in there and you'd pick up copies of Fangoria with all these. And this aren't adult magazines. This is magazines that are aimed, aimed at teenagers and younger. Yeah. And you could literally just walk in and have all these 
horror characters and have Robocop and the like all on the cover and people are appealing to that market so you, kids would see all this stuff they'd go home and get their parents to rent these films and they'd watch these films because at the end of the you know the, they they were being consumed by by not by the parents because I, I mean a lot of parents no. are supposed to be going oh, just you know, to get it from keeping quiet and you know it's it was a norm it was the norm because they knew it's like I got into C18 certificates uh, you know nowadays you need ID for it for, yeah. for stuff if you look even look remotely underage and when at the time when I was watching the, uh, you know the 18 certificates cause I started watching when I was from right when I was 14 uh, they knew that I was they knew I was underage but they let me in and I and yeah. was, uh, I got a story uh, where I went to see one film and they turned me back, so I went back. I, my, I was going to go until I got in. So I did on the second, the second attempt. But you know, it made no difference if I didn't see it in the cinema. I was getting it as soon as I, I'd have waited the six, seven, eight months until it comes out on video, and I was going to go and get it on video. But yeah, I mean, making I, money. The amount of time you used to have, people, people don't even know some generations. Some parts. Of how long we used to wait home video, you know, like the same time. I used to call it pregnant because it was like you have to wait for a child before you could watch something <laughs> on video. I've got a, a bit of an issue with the, the the speaker here. Give me two seconds. Let me just... Okay. Yeah, I think I need, we need... Uh, yeah. Speak now. See if we can get it. Yeah, can you... Yeah. No, this is cable. It's been, it's been a bit funny. So, give me one second. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Say again. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No. I was saying. Um, kids nowadays don't even know what it's like to wait like that long for a film to come out on home media. I used to call it a uh, pregnancy because you could have a child by the time a film you'd seen in the cinema comes out on DVD. DVD. Sorry, a video. Yeah, I totally. So, agree. That's a good. I like that yeah. quote. And so I used to, I used to say, I used to call it that in my head, it's, and, and I used to just think, why does it take so long? But you know, there's there's so much of it. You know, you have digital stuff now, and it goes to Blu-ray. You know, almost five, two months later, sometimes three months. I mean, when you look at Star Wars, Star Wars was out in late December, Rise of Skywalker, and it, yeah. and it was already. On uh, it was already on uh, on Disney Plus by by mid by the start of May. Yeah, less than five months that is. So that's yeah. So that's it's it's fast to turn around so that it, so that the studios can get whatever else is next out. They are. So it's it's crazy. But yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. So, I think, like, can you remember the first time you ever watched Robocop? I can't remember the first time, but I know as soon as it came out on video. Yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't even video for me. I think it was, like, my dad taped it, saying, like, you know, well, this is a good film, son. And so I probably saw a massively cut version. And then when I did see it on video, I remember getting it. My dad got it on proper VHS. And, uh, you know, when there's just scenes I was like, I've not seen this before. Like, you know, the scene at the end of a meal... 
Yeah. And I just thought, what is this? This wasn't in it. Like, I remember renting it on video because I wanted it. Because the idea yeah. is, there was a magazine from right it was called Video World or something. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. It was just that, nothing yeah. but videos and. Uh, So, so yeah, it's the, uh, yeah, sorry, uh, you know, it, it was, you, you literally, uh, you'd see these films and it'd be literally, we had B-movies in these magazines and you just want to see them and, and then you say, can, can you get this one when you get the video shop? Because very much video shops had more crap than they have on Netflix. They, yeah, that's right, yeah. get loads of B-movies in and it, it was... It was it was superb, and that's what I loved about the eighties. And Robocop fitted in perfectly. It was like it was like a legend amongst all these movies because it wasn't you know, like it took. I think it was eighty eight, was it or eighty six that uh, E T went came out, and that was in eighty two. Nothing. Uh, yeah, like it waited. Is the nails on? Yeah, I think eighty eight because I think eighty six was Star Wars Jedi. 86 was Jedi in lights of Ray, uh, uh, Back to the Future and Indiana Jones and Temple yeah. of Doom. So you had to have these big weights because they would keep releasing them to the other markets. So Yeah, I mean, I assume they came out on Laserdisc at some point as well before DVD. That was more American. I know the only place... But yeah, yeah. I think it was like big in Japan as well, wasn't it? Ah, Robocop or Laserdisc? Uh, Laserdisc. Well, Robocop as well. I mean... I think like, I think Asia was some of its biggest takings um, in the box office. I mean, because it's it's you know like, at the risk of sounding stereotypical, they do like their robots and you know cyborg stuff, don't they? Futuristic things. Nothing wrong with that. No, there there isn't at all. No, but um, I think in a way that's what contributes to that sort of eighties mentality with Robocop. It's it's more of an amalgamation. Of everything about the decade that was cool, rather than you know a separate, you know each. I mean, it's about a robot, a cop, you know, in the future. That's like three things together that might be one thing in another movie, you know. And I think that that's one of the things that contributed as well to how it still feels quite fresh today. I've said it already, but it does. Gore in it though, you would not get away with no. modern day cinema, or even up to the nineties when they were starting to dumb it down for the actual younger audience. Bring this, you know, from Robocop two, they were going for, you know, after, you know, that was starting to turn to the the teenager audience. And when I say teenager, I mean the old teenage audience that that they wanted to get into the cinemas when, because yeah. uh, you know when the we, the box office became more important than the final take yeah because it's the prestige and you look at now it's mainly prestige movies that uh that are coming out of the cinema the ones that they can try and get say that the studio can say we've got the hundred million dollar opening weekend and shit like that whereas you know back then it was all about uh we'll get the we'll get it out there and then we'll make up we'll make our money yeah but uh yeah I mean, it's gruesome. even well, um, what was I going to say now? The gore. Something about the gore. You go ahead, I'm trying to think. It's horrific. I mean, the bit where they shoot... Ning, 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 Oh, yeah. Hand. Like, he's just... He just... He's 
he's so disturbing, isn't he? Yeah. How much he enjoys it all. <laughs> Can you fly, Bobby, as well? Oh, that's... But it's the ending with... And the bit where you see... Uh, you know, Robocop's a badass, and the bit where he's looking, going about to go through the files, and he gets stopped by that nerdy cop, and he gets the spike out, and you think he's going to spike the car. Oh, but yeah. But they end up spiking Clarence at the end. Sorry, spoiler. Why are you, why are you listening if you haven't yeah. seen the film? So... Yeah, but he spikes Clarence in the end. You knew he was going to use it as a weapon at one point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's good telegraphing, though, isn't it? Like yeah. the way it, you know his hand sort of swings up to the screen and does it. You know, like back back then, you just when you were kids, you're just like watching it. But now you sort of think telegraph. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing I liked is. You know, at the end, I didn't, you know, between Robocop and Robocop 2, you don't know what's happened to Lewis when he goes, uh, we'll fix you, they, they, you know, about, uh, uh, was they'll fix you, they fix everything. Yeah. He says to Lewis, and he just, does she live? Does she, do they, do they turn her into a, 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 a female Robocop? You don't know until you see her as, as being repaired. You know, be, yeah, I mean, that was one of the original plots for Robocop 2 that they posed, that Lewis is turned into another Robocop um, because of her injuries at the end of the first one but obviously what we got was what we got wasn't it <laughs> yeah. with, with, with Robocop 2 with Irving Kirshner attached you expected greatness yeah that was his last film I think as well wasn't it I'm soon find out or last studio film I think I think he retired he was quite an old fellow wasn't he yeah and, when was Robocop 2? Was it 1990? 1990, 12th of October yeah. 1990. So that would have been the day I saw the cinema. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was. He did an episode of Sequest DSV after that in 93. Oh, God, I remember that. Yeah, I actually went, because I remember I actually went day released to see Robocop 2, which we were here. Let's find out when Robocop 2 got its UK release, because I did see that. I, saw it on the day I think it was 93, wasn't it? 94, maybe? Let's find out. Robocop 3, 1993. June, Although it was actually made in 91. Yeah, and it came out on June 24, 1994. It was already in February wow. magazine. And all those magazines were already hyping it up before the plug was pulled on it. I think that's the problem with Robocop 3. Is like, by the time it had come out, it was technically a two-year-old film because yeah. it been shelved. So the effects look uh, late. Late 80s instead of contemporary when it was released. I always thought when I was a kid, like the jetpack stuff looked so dodgy. It did. And like maybe it wouldn't have if it was released when it was supposed to be released. I don't know. At the time it looked good. I was very pro Robocop because I used to collect the comics. Yeah, I used to read the comics. I'm going to. Uh, a little gratuitous post for. You can find us on Instagram. I'm going to. Uh, as soon as. Uh, as soon as we're up on all the platforms, I'm going to be, I'll post some pictures of a few of the comic books. Yes, which I have seen, and it is amazing to see, like. All of Steve's stuff is pristine. Thank you. It's cause, uh, because it's. Uh, you got to remember, I'm, I'm from the generation of the Brody Bruce. Touch less than you <laughs> touched. I taught you how to handle comic books, which is another thing for we'll do for another podcast. Uh, fanboys versus Morats. Oh yes. So uh, yeah, uh, I like as okay. I know this is we're going a little bit off track of the whole uh, is it the ultimate eighties movie, but I just want to point out I like the way that in you know 
you know, uh, when the, uh, was it, I, I made a reference in here, because I've got notes, it's kind of funny, because I'm really, I, I was bound, I was just going to enjoy the movie, but I couldn't help making notes, so, directive, you see when he, uh, you see Robocop's face first, you know, his eye through the visor, when the visor cracks, yeah. before you, you know, before they take his visor off, so you can actually see it is Murphy, but this, the scene where you see the eye, that's, Humanizes Robocop because they say the eyes of the windows to the soul. So there's a lot of thought being put into Robocop more than just uh, action movie. But you know, and you got the uh, and you know the ending, the bit where there's uh, that industrial plant that is so 80s as well. Yeah, it's like I, it was a real abandoned steel mill as well. So I, I think it 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 really reminds me of something like Mad Max. Or even the scene in, you know, Tim Burton's Batman where the Joker is made into the Joker. You always got that sort of abandoned factory shootout scene, didn't you, in the eighties? But they were cool, and it's the and it's the the, the sheen on the film where they, they did it was is is screams nineteen eighties. Yeah. But yeah, you do need a, you do need an abandoned factory. They even do it Robocop too with uh, when Robocop's uh, being dismantled by Kane. And yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, and I think the resistance hides in one in Robocop Three, don't they? Yeah, it's just like a sort of staple. I think it's because there's lots of things you can hide behind for the, like the acts, you know, like for the shootouts and stuff like that. Pre-made film sets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Don't have to pay for them. But say. What about like Reaganism? Think that dates it or? Sort of, you know, like the sort of uber capitalist 80s thing. What do you mean? Like, we're not going through it now with Trump? Uh, yeah, Johnson, that was I'm my in, that was my sarcastic outlook I was going for. Yeah, uh, Trump and Boris Johnson. Let's open everything up because businesses are failing. It doesn't matter about the humans. Yeah, OCP right there, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, with, with all the stuff that's been... Yeah. Yeah, history does. History has a tendency to repeat itself. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, I mean, we haven't reached robot ops yet, but I dare say one day. Yeah, but it's people being laid off by. Uh, yeah. Because they they they've uh, automated uh, li uh, automated lines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even something like, you know, like the gentrification in Robocop Three, where they're sort of. Pushing out homeless people, you know, pushing out people out of their homes to yeah. build high rises and condos, you know, like as much as that is a weak film, it does have a better sort of background story than Robocop 2, I would argue. Yeah, which is basically just a bigger robot than Robocop starts a fight kind of thing. Uh, yeah, they have a, a designer drug called Nuke, at least. Robocop <laughs> yeah. has Coke. So that is the ultimate yeah. 80s, because of that alone, is that they actually, rather than inventing a drug, they just go, yeah, well, what was Hollywood doing? Coke. What was, so yeah, so it's so, like, yeah. Literally everyone is sniffing Coke in this film, aren't they? Like, yeah. it, it's, it's probably the only thing that does date it, actually, like, in a funny way, not in a, in a sort of bad way, it's just where you go... Oh, it's such an 80s thing, Coke, isn't it? It's in like every part of every 80s action film. <laughs> but that was, you know, 
I don't do drugs, never have done drugs, never will do drugs. And, no, same. And it was when I found out that, you know, that, that, uh, <coughs> that, that uh, it, it, Coke was rife, as it was a few years ago. Uh, you know, my first question was, was like, how do people afford it? And it had to be explained to me that it's the streets have been flooded, it's cheap now. Because I yeah. always remember from the likes of Robocop and Lethal Weapon that 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 coke and you've always seen with the rock stars that was their drug of choice so it was always an expensive yeah. drug so and businessmen yeah exactly which goes back to robocop yeah and uh yeah so it, it so that was and the clothing the hookers wearing yeah that was so ages <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, you have got the decadence of the eighties, but yeah, I'm going through my notes. There's the bitches leave. I love that line reading. I, uh, uh, there's a funny story about that. Well, actually, apparently, um, because it was, I think it was Paul Verhoeven's second, um, English language feature after he did a film called Flesh and Blood, in 1986, I think, with Rutger and uh. It wasn't very popular, but it was Orion as well, so I think that's the reason it got ripped up. But because um, his English wasn't 100% at that point, he was referring to those two women in that scene as bitches in real life. So he'd be like, you're bitch number one and you're bitch number two. <laughs> and I can just imagine, like, if you've ever seen him on interviews, he's really sort of hyperactive, isn't he? Yeah. And I can imagine him, like, shouting, like, bitch one and two for a minute. <laughs> I mean, this this like really established what he could do yeah. in Hollywood as well, and he is he still is one of my favorite directors. I have only I've made, the only films I've really seen of Verhoeven is Robocop and uh, and Total Recall and Starship Troopers and Showgirls. And show. Yeah, you've only watched Showgirls. Uh, is it, come on, is. Showgirls came out in ninety five, ninety six. Let me just pull it. Yeah, I think it was. I remember seeing that was massively marketed. Say that again, sorry. I, I remember seeing when it was posted for it. Yeah. Quite uh, all over the place. You know, consider like an adult. Was pretty much an adult. Yeah, I. Yeah, ninety five. Jesus. Is I just don't like the sex scenes in it. I thought the. The sex scene and the rape scene were, were filmed pretty much too similar, so I, that was that film was the major turn off. It's yeah, I mean, it's it's probably the difference between why something like that failed and something like Fifty Shades succeeded, isn't it? Because one of them's done as a romantic sort of, you know, romantic and um, erotic film, whereas Showgirls is kind of it's murky, isn't it? Yeah, and it's really like. It's about the, the low, poor side of it all. and You know, I, I always thought it had the makings of, of a really good film. But, yeah, like you say, the scenes where it's like they're making rape seem titillating, I'm not really... It I, I really throws me out of... I don't like rape scenes as it is, yeah. you know, or even implied rape scenes in films. But if they're necessary to the story, then it's, you need them. But I know what you mean, like, it, it sexualizes them, doesn't it? A bit, too much. But Fifty Shades, no, 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 no. 
Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, I think Showgirls feels like him. Yeah, what with the colour palette, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, he, he, he does have, like, even Starship Troopers, like, I always think the later films still feel like they're in the 80s. Starship you know, in, in a... I see that with Starship Troopers. In a complimentary Yeah, I saw that when I was at the cinema. When I was at the... the I'd love to have seen that cinema. It was good. 97? Was it 97? Was it... It was nice, because I, I remember seeing um, posters for it in like, the bus shelters, um, you know, where, where we live here, Yeah. and uh, I think it was 15 originally, if I'm not mistaken, and then they changed it to an 18, because right. I remember seeing the trailers and it said 15, and then I thought, that's not 15, is it? It was, yeah, it's a 15, jeez. Oh, it is, I thought it was an 18. According to IMDb. Uh, Unless it's been sort of the, you know, like they did with Terminator, where they take some of the yeah. certificates down. And... Uh, you know, uh, it came out January in the UK, January, uh, I didn't put it back up on the screen, uh, USA, November the 7th, UK, January 2nd, 1998, I, I was in my third year at uni. So, I actually remember going to see it, I saw it at the Odeon in Luton. Wow. And, let's see what certificate it says here. I try to do this, I don't want to press the wrong button and find out we're getting infringed for copyrights. Yeah, let's have a look. Okay. Starship Troopers is... So close to Super Troopers. So, we <laughs> yeah. have. It just has 123 minutes. It doesn't have the actual rating. I suppose that's the one way of getting around it if, you, uh, if you've got a good password. And you're too I'm sure it did change anyway. I remember the first time I. I think the first time I saw it, my mum and dad rented it. And my mum was sort of like, I'm not watching this. It's. it's Films too gory and all this, like so that intrigued me. So I sat down with the rest of it, and I'm pretty sure it was an 18 on the video. That would not surprise me because it was pretty gruesome. It is quite gory, yeah. But even then, I did pick up on the sort of, you know, the the, the funny side of it because like, it's it's just a take of fascism, isn't it? Yeah. And ironically, I think Star Trek Troopers probably as as good as it as great as it is, it's probably dated more than RoboCop. Yeah. Because it's further in the future, you know, Robocop's only the near future, isn't it? It doesn't give you a year or anything. That's so quotable. Hoo-ha! It is. Yeah, it is, yeah. And the bit, do you get me? We get you, sir! I love that. <laughs> I, 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 uh... What was it? Yeah, that's weird. Robocop's not massively quotable, is it? There's a couple of quotes. You know, like, dead or alive, you come with me and stuff like that. But it's not like, it wasn't, a lot of 80s films did rely on their quotes, didn't yeah. they? And it's one of them that sort of did it off its own back, yeah. in my opinion. There aren't many quotes you can quote, apart from that and Bitches, uh, I'd buy please. that for a dollar. Bitches, please. Uh, nice Bitches, leave, yeah. Nice, uh, su- nice shooting son. What's your name? Murphy. Murphy, yeah. Uh, that is a great just, ending. Yeah, oh, perfect. When he just walks off. But I'm going into a territory now where it's, as, uh, is, the st- is the stuff that... I found quotable. Is it because you've watched it so many times, or is it because it's it's out there? But I think it's because I've watched I watched this in 
when it, when that Robocop came out on video, I watched that so many times. I mean, so awesome. many times that lived in the that did live in the in the video in the video recorder. Yeah, yeah. I think I wore mine out. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I <laughs> I'd, I, I'd love to know what trailers were on it as well. Just, but I mean, it, it must have been trailers that came out the year the video was released, not the film. Yeah, it was what the film they were trying to promote for what the studio was. Yeah. Do you know as well? Interestingly, we were on about um, how great the posters and the work, the artwork was for eighties, yeah. you know, especially horrors and science fiction films. You know, in such a way that. Sometimes the artwork was promising things that don't even happen, you yeah. know, and they sold it on that. I think Robocop, as much as it's a good sort of front cover, it is start one of those like boring photoshopped ones. I, I, I love the arrow one because it's sort of like a painted. Pa- yeah, I had that. I, I, you know, if we got binned, I know because you know things get tatty and get old. You know, I had Robocop on my wall as a kid. Oh yeah, a, so did I. Kind of regret. The one where he's getting out of the car. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's brilliant. It's just. Uh, come on, I've got. I've pulled the picture up on the screen right now. It's. It's and it's the slogan brilliant. as well. Is it not like half machine, half man, all cop, or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Or the future of law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah, I. I, <laughs> I wish I had. I've never forget. <laughs> I wish I wish I had that poster now. I really do. It was it was without the the blurb at the bottom. You know, it was just Robocop, a picture of Robocop getting out of the car. And you get a poster of the Arrow one, and I think it's the original. Uh, it's a double sided. Oh, I'm gonna have to look. I haven't actually opened the box. Uh, but, uh, I got the box. I think one I side busy. is the front cover you get, and then the other side is the original poster. Yeah, Charlotte's actually said the post. He's actually messaged me saying the poster's in the box. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. We should listen to our buttons. Yeah, I've actually got. I'm actually pulling up the uh, the the videos. If you go on IMDb, little little thing, please. If you go on IMDb and go to the images, you actually have the uh, original VHSs and the post a lot of posters on the images. It's brilliant. Yeah. And the video games. I, I as well. I don't know if like what maybe discuss the direct cut briefly. Like when was the first time you saw that? Uh, yes, the uh, I I might I actually can't answer that one because I I'd like to see. I think I've seen it before. Has it ever been on any streaming platforms or anything other than because? Um, I think Netflix has the, the. I think it's sort of like the standard version now. You know, after like. Like what Ridley Scott does, where he picks a version that's the definitive, like, you know, not to a George Lucas extent where you can never fucking watch the original again. But um, yeah. I think the first time I ever watched it was when they released the trilogy on DVD. Yeah, I. And then, it's a, it, as far as I can see, though, it's only extra gore. I don't think it's, like, massively exposition based. Just shots of, like, a fellow at the beginning getting killed by a two and Matthew's hand exploded more and stuff like that. Yeah, it is just the extra gore. You're right, it was the DVD release. Yeah, 2003 that one. Yeah, so that's... That I remember you, buying that. I've got the... it somewhere, but it's... Uh, yeah. But it, it, it's, not, it's not about... It, to me, it's not about the extra features. I mean, it's, 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 it's about the, the actual... It's about the film itself. Yeah. I mean, they just added... All of the features are great. Yeah. 
Yeah, the boss has just got out the lobby cards from uh, from Robocop. Oh, yeah, they get on. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to scan them into the computer. Yeah, they are so, good. Yeah, I, I have a thing that I miss. I miss 80s lobby cards. I miss the yeah. promotions. Press kits as well. Yeah. I do. It's... It's... it's we don't get this anymore because everything that goes onto the big screen, everything that's we get now, that's not streaming services, yeah, is or straight to to DVD, which it seems to be straight to DVD or be or or uh, digital, yeah, is all the you know, and you know, like the raids, yeah, I I don't like it because there's there's no. There's no art. There's no society. We're as 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 a consumer, we are missing out on all the good stuff. Yes, yeah, it's, it's sort of sterile as well, isn't it? Like it's just you know delivered to your account on this date. Like yeah. I used to love it. The whole hunt for films is over now, isn't it? Like I mean, you, unless you go H and V and get the deals and stuff. I used to love like waiting for a release date and going in and buying that film. You know. Yeah. And even I've fallen for the whole, just get it on digital, it's easier. But that's mainly because, as well, I think the big studios do awful releases. Yeah. Like, they just can't, the special features are shit on a lot of them. I, uh, cause I didn't, I went all the way through to, uh, uh to, uh, to HMV. Uh, like, there was one, so I just over eight miles away from us. So I went all the way through over, because they, they had an exclusive copy on Blu-ray blinded by the light and uh, oh, yeah. on the same day I think I bought it on the same day as because uh, uh, it came out I think the same day from right as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and uh, and because I was one of the first customers they gave away a free poster for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on Blu-ray so I got the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah. poster so you got a free poster I'm like okay so uh, so I, I miss thing. I do love going on but when you're in HMV and you look you're looking and you go, is there anything else you're looking for? And you go, yeah. You change your mind, you go, yeah. So, uh, and it's, I love going in there, finding stuff I want and picking up something else because I, uh, I went in for, what was the comic book last film I went in for before? This was before lockdown. And they, uh, we get, and I'm looking around because I saw Star Trek 2 director's cut and I thought, I'll get it when I've got a bit of money. So when I had the bit of money, I couldn't see it. So they went and got me. And I love doing that. I love going in and getting films or just seeing something that you want and just being able to pick it up and yeah see something else that you think oh, i'd like that or rummaging it's through more the personal bins. yeah rummaging. way more personal oh yeah and you, you know when you rummage through the, the the film bins and just picking up something you think you'll like yeah yeah i i love that or, or like something that's a bit more expensive than you're gonna pay and you think you just get it anyway no can't <laughs> can't i can't justify paying that money for that but I want it. Yeah, I'm having it. Yeah. I'm having it. I'm having it. And, uh, yeah. No, I know what it was. I can see it there. It was Doctor Sleep. I went all the way over for Doctor Sleep. Oh, yeah. And I was able, and I got, and I ended up walking out with Doctor Sleep and Star Trek 2 Director's Cut. Good so, choice. Yeah, I haven't seen the Star Trek 2 Director's Cut yet because I've got to wait till we finish watching the others. I haven't seen that for years. Uh, well, Star Trek 2 or the Director's Cut? No, the director's cut. It was when they did the two-disc DVDs of all the films. 
it was included on there, but it's not on the Blu-ray box set. Um, so I haven't seen it since the DVD. Uh, we'll have to do a film night of that one and we'll discuss. Yeah, I, suppose, I, I think it's, again, I think it's one that's like four or five minutes longer, but it's just like extra sort of scenes that were cut out for pacing and stuff uh, like that. So they just put it back in to sell more copies? I think so, but it's stuff that works better on home release. So, you, yeah. you know, you have the extra time to sit down and watch it when you're at home, don't you? Oh, yeah. well, anyway. What do you think about... Robocop Returns. Oh, the new one. Yeah. If they pull it off right, who's they got to? Who's, who's attached? Um, directing. Yeah. It was Neil Blomkamp, I think. It's a guy called Abe. Abe something. He's the guy that directed Little Monsters. There's a film on Now TV with um, Lupita Nyong'o. It's like a zombie film. I heard it. Oh, that's one I want to watch. It's very good. It's quite funny. It's an Australian film, but um, he's a good good enough director. But the only thing that's worrying me is they keep changing directors and flip-flopping on who's directing it. I, I would have loved Neil Blomkamp because, I mean, his visual style was unreal, especially when it comes to, you know, if you've seen Chappie, um, where he deals with a robot as a main character. He's just fantastic. And he handles the gore perfectly as well. He's like a project of Peter Jackson. So, wasn't he, um, wasn't he yeah, he did like District 9 and Elysium and all that. I saw District 9, but wasn't he attached yeah. to the sequel to Aliens. Aliens. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, don't mistake him being taken off of those projects for meaning he's not good because he's a fan of like, visual. He's got a great visual flip. Yeah. But, I mean, I, if they, like you say, if they do it correctly, I think the best way to do it is like they've done with Halloween where you ignore the others and you set it just after the first one. Oh, yes. Um, I think that could work. That Halloween, I'm, uh, I'm going to kiss its ass again. That Halloween <laughs> is a that's a major major reboot onto the onto the genre that was to me. Yeah, I mean it started that sort of. I think that trend is going to continue with a lot of sequels now, where they just sort of go, oh, ignore the last ones. No, I think Terminator's done it for the last two films. Oh, let's not talk about Badly. Terminator. Oh, do you, to, you know, if, if there's only one time in the cinema, I'd like to say I want my money back, and that was the Dark Fate. Oh really? I've still not seen it. Don't bother. It's. Uh, Actually, yeah, watch it. We'll do a we'll do a podcast on it. It's terrible. On oh, my first impressions. <laughs> yeah, it's, I want my money back. I did. I think what's ironic is that you know Terminator is considered like probably the biggest. I don't know, maybe probably the biggest science fiction action sort of franchise outside of Star Wars, and yet I don't think Robocop holds up so much better. It does. I mean, Terminator One's amazing. Like, we both agreed it's the yeah. best, haven't we? But. You know, because T2 has this massive following, I think everyone always sort of mistakes it for, oh, it's the best by action film. Well, it's no. really not. No. Uh, I like Terminator. Yeah, that's right. I'm not bad. I, I just like Terminator. I don't... Uh, yeah. Terminator 2, alright. Terminator 3. No, oh, yeah, I like the original. I like the original, but they 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 could never do a good sequel to the others. It, it, it's they, they they changed the dynamic, and I didn't like it. I, I just like having Arnie as the unstoppable machine. Although, what's it called? The one with Matt Smith in? Uh, the one where they changed uh, Emil Emilia Clark. That was actually oh Genesis. Right. Uh, Genesis. Genesis, yeah. Terminator and Genesis. So I like those two. Don't yeah, I didn't ones. mind Genesis. I thought it was a bit like a greatest hits, wasn't it? But I mean, 
Jurassic World did that as well, and that made millions. Uh, Jurassic World, we just watched it on the big screen the other day. That, that, that's bloody brilliant. You, uh, yeah. Yeah, you made me want now to want to get a hold of Terminator Genesis. Google it, come and get it for on Google Play. Interestingly, I think that's the only thing they could do with the sequel to, to Terminator now is set it just after the first one so Arnie could do bad again. Yeah. Or just finally give us a future war film that we've been asking for for years. Or give it, give it another couple of years and then actually they try and reboot it. So that's one that yeah, because I mean, I think it's kind of Batman and Robin itself now, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, big time. Five ninety nine. If you want to, buy, if anyone's interested in buying it from Google Play in the UK, it's five ninety nine for Terminator Genesis. Wow, I've never thought you'd see a Terminator film. Five. I get Terminator, which is seven ninety nine. Robocop. I really Robocop is one of those films that to get digital, to get digitally would be pretty. I, I you know, it's yeah. Let's have a look. You know what annoys me about digital films is. That you don't no features. features. Um, yeah, or the end if they are in there. Pardon? Or they're like on Amazon Prime, you can get them on the video service. Yeah. You can get films with features, but they're right at the end of the film, oh. stuck together one after the other, so you can't. Like the thing about features you like is being able to, if it's boring, you go back to the menu and choose another one, don't you? Definitely. Definitely. So. Uh... We'll wrap this up. I just say, is Robocop yeah. the ultimate 80s movie? I think, I think, as a culmination of that decade, yeah, well, sure. It's like it's it. For me, it's like the 80s summed up because it was always like it was one of the first sort of. I don't know. It sounds weird, but it was one of the first 80s films I've watched as a kid because, like you say, it's a cop, a robot cop. And he's got a gun that, like, he spins around and puts in his leg. Like, how much... And there's a big, massive robot that's after him as well. You know, I, I think that's a combination of all those great 80s, you know, tropes. You've got the, the cop drama. And you've got... I mean, it's, it's kind of a buddy cop as well, because he's got loads of them. Um, and you've got, like, menacing villains, good one-liners. Yeah, I think it... I, I would say... I would argue it is. Definitely for the for the later half of of the uh, of the nineteen eighties, you just mentioned about yeah. the body cop element of it, which was coming into play as well at that time with the like yeah. of lethal weapon, Die Hard, and even uh, Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Uh, yeah, the the look of it has gone is starting to lighten itself up, so it's leading itself now into what would come in the in terms of science fiction was dark. You know, with like Alien and yeah. uh, Terminator, just to name the two. And it's starting to get lighter. It is, which would take us into the 90s, where science fiction goes a lot a lot lighter. And if, even if you look at, because uh, uh, 86, if I'm right, was when, uh, science, fi when uh, science fiction came back to TV with uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. So, but in terms of construction, in terms of the way that the studios were handling it, the way studios were making money, and the way that the audiences were going, it is the ultimate 80s movie because it was all those things, that, and especially everything you've said. So yeah, yeah. I, I agree that it is, especially for the science fiction genre, it is the ultimate 80s movie. Yeah, I mean, I, before I used to sort of think maybe something like Back to the Future was like the definitive 80s film. But I think that's more, 
you know, like Back to the Future plays with nostalgia, doesn't it? Yes. So that's that's you know, that's the ultimate thing you remember that film for, like is how nostalgic it is. But yeah, I think Robocop sort of sums up sums up the eighties more for me than anything. Because I do consider eighty seven the end of the eighties, if I'm honest. I think we're going to have that one for a discuss- another discussion We soon. could do, uh, yeah. We will. So uh, that is coming soon. Uh, you know, I can't say any more. I'm Stevie W. Yeah. I'm Callum. See you soon. See you later, guys. <laughs>